This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Welcome, ghoul fiends! Today we've got coverage of the new Diet Halloween Horror Nights light experience, as well as two houses from Horror Nights past. So strap on that wide brim hat and prepare to cancel Horror Nights because it's time for Frightful Failures! We gotta up the energy. Gotta get that energy. Gotta. I was just gonna say. Ham bone. Th- thanks. I, I'm glad my co-host is Jack Black now. Um, yes. Just... Hey, uh, it, uh, it's time to, to to join my rock and roll school. I like that your impression started with you like half chuckling to yourself. Like you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like okay. Well, that's, that's any... part of a good Jack Black impression. Oh, okay. Like I didn't know. It's like he's like I know this is funny. All right, because he's always right. Um, yeah, he's got good instincts. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Frightful Failures. I am your ghost host with the most, Zach Romero. Joining me, as always, is your ghost host with the most, TN Guignol. And TN, again, we absolutely stand tall and refuse to have a normal episode as per our formula. Refuse. Absolutely refuse. Yes. And we are it's, not. Uh, it's it's been a while. It's been we we've been really off the rails for a long time here. I don't even know what this is. Um, Nor do really, I per se. Um, but but yeah, it's been a lot of interviews and people and, uh, and haunted houses and yeah. You're exactly right. A lot of Halloween horror nights talk. And so to kind of put a bow on things here, you know, we had a lot of episodes where we talked about how. Halloween Horror Nights for 2020 was canceled. It was done for. Goodbye. We can fantasy book it, but it's not going to be here. And then whoops-a-daisy, Universal walks that back, and suddenly there's two open haunted houses currently running at Universal Studios in Orlando. Correct, correct. And uh, I got the opportunity to go do these haunted houses. I am uh, very excited to hear how this went. Sure, okay. So, um... The way it worked is that they were soft opening these haunted houses, these two houses, uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And they were actually uh, opening up as like an extra special teaser for Premier Pass holders on Friday. I'm not a Premier Pass holder. I'm one step below that. I don't get the fancy parking every time I go to Universal, unfortunately. I don't get the handicap parking every time I go. Um, So uh, we went on Saturday and the rumor was through Horror Nights Twitter that it was going to be a shit show. That was the rumor. Um, So (laughs) I was actually the theme of the attraction was it's a shit show. Yes. So I had reached out to, uh, you know, Ghost Bitch Dakota and said, hey, uh, what time are you leaving uh, from uh, Tampa Bay to head to Orlando? And he said, 5.30. And Holy I said, are shit. you fucking crazy? Why, why are you leaving that early? And he said, because I hear that it's going to be like Rise of the Resistance. I hear that. It, I said, okay, it's, I mean, it's two haunted houses, but I mean, all right, I'll take, I'll trust your judgment. So I left a little later than he did. And uh, I got there before park opened. I got there uh, probably a little before 830. Park was set to open at nine. And... um There was a line stretched from the front gates of Universal and wrapped all the way uh, around Auntie Anne's and up through all the construction over there, up up past the big Coca-Cola kiosk with the giant music video screens on it, and wrapped all the way past Margaritaville, all the way to the entrance of Islands of Adventure. There was a line. and shit. And it was... It was a lot of people in costume uh, because they were allowing costumes now as part of this daytime Halloween fun, what some people are calling Diet Halloween Horror Nights, what some people are calling Halloween Horror Days, whatever you want to call it, HHN Light, whatever the moniker you want to go uh, with. Blatant autumn-themed money grab, you know, yes. whatever it is. Correct. Um, so so the, the 
Universal realizes, oh my god, we have to open. So they open the gates a little early. Uh, line starts moving. We all get in. Um, before we are even inside the park, uh, they have closed the haunted houses to regular standing queue admission. It is now virtual queue only. And the virtual queue has yet to appear on the app. Jesus. So everyone is so everyone is standing around and there's and, and it's so crowded that it, it suddenly everything just starts to click and we just realize why did they even cancel this event? It is so crowded here right now. It is far more crowded than it would be with ten haunted houses and a regular opening night. This is insane. Um, so it's it's so crowded right around. I mean, one haunted house the entrance is near Rip Ride Rocket. Uh, okay. The other is up next to the Mummy. Okay. By the firehouse. Um, and so it's all along that, that front strip there. All they along, did, wait like, a minute. So they didn't even have the wherewithal to go like, oh, we're going to put the houses on the two polar opposite sides of the park so that yeah. we don't cause an enormous traffic jam at the front. I just don't, uh, I don't have the, uh, <laughs> I don't have the special ability. I won't use the word that Dakota and I use that Dakota has. Um, to actually have memorized the map, let's just say oh. it's it's like it's like he's like Rain Man. Got it's it. a po- politer. Uh, that's a polite way of saying it. He's Got the Rain it. Man of Halloween Horror Nights. Okay, and so he's already looked at the spec map and he can tell you where all the haunted houses are. I don't have that memorized, so I don't actually know what's over near Men in Black. But if it's an IP, then that's why they couldn't have opened it. I believe that either what would have been the Icons House or the Cary, Ohio House, which were not going to, which are original houses, one of them was going to be over in that area. So they should have opened that one, to be honest, to just have that wherewithal, as you said. Oh, 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 I get what you're saying. So it's not like they, like, moved things around. Yeah, the houses were built where they're going to be built. They were already, okay, okay. So, like, like, if they really wanted to open the haunted house that was in Shrek, they couldn't have done that because that was going to be the Billie Eilish house. And that's the whole reason why... How Win Hornets is not opening. Um, so, anyways, so they so weren't going to move. Bad luck of the draw, basically. That the two that they potentially opened the were two the that they that, right that they knew were going to yeah were right in the at the beginning of the park. So, got it. And then the other thing that's really crowded is the store, which has like three rooms and it's got the Beetlejuice room and it sells spooky treats and all that. And that's also right there, right next uh, to yeah. the mummy. So that whole area is just like fuck fill and, <laughs> and everyone is standing around. And so we're, we're, we're staying there. It's, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning, the, the time where everybody is ready to do a haunted house. And, <laughs> and just, I just had a breakfast sandwich. I'm ready yes. to get it scared out of my butthole. <laughs> yes. So we're checking the app and finally it's like, oh, oh my God, they, they drop, they all drop. So uh, everyone starts jumping in and pushing the different time frames going, okay, you get Bride of Frankenstein, I'll get the Tooth Fairy, here we go. And everyone's pushing the buttons and it's at capacity, at capacity, at capacity. And then finally we get times, one of us gets like 2.30 p.m. and the other gets like 4 p.m. for the two haunted houses. And we're like, we're going to be blackout drunk by the end of today. This Perfect. is... Um, we're going to be blackout drunk by the time we do these haunted houses. We're going to be here all goddamn day. And and mo- the whole group thought that they were going to be out of there by like noon at the latest because right. it's like, oh, well, we're, we're here at Park Open. How long could the line possibly be? Well, very long when it's virtual queue only. So uh, before long, I think by 10 a.m., there were signs put out that just said haunted houses at capacity. And, yeah. and at that point, you could not get a reservation on the app or otherwise. Um, and if you got there later than 9.30 a.m., then you weren't going to get in the haunted house. And that was just the end of it. You were shit out of luck. Yeah. So um, so we spent the rest of the day wandering around this very crowded park. Uh, we went to the skeleton bar that they just opened as well, which had some themed food and drink options. Every single drink they served there was horrible. Uh there were three drinks there, and every single one of them was the worst thing I've ever tried in my whole life. One of them was like a peanut butter drink called the Circus Peanut that had a Circus Peanut on top of it. And that little soft thing was the best part of the whole drink. It was awful. That's, like, rough. Okay. Um, And then there was, like, a spicy mango drink. That gave me diarrhea. And then... <laughs> Did it say that on the menu? Was it like, spicy mango drink, Prenzi, it's going to give you diarrhea? (laughs) Well, if you want diarrhea, 
you know, so much diarrhea, it's of... scary. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> um, so we killed a lot of time. Finally, we got to do these haunted houses. And I got to say, uh, to, to, to finally kind of, after bearing the lead for so long, um, I had a very positive reception of both haunted houses. Good. Um, we did Tooth Fairy first. Uh, which, I which enjoyed... before, before you talk about Tooth Fairy. Okay. Um, I just love the picture of, it's like just about to be the end of summer. The park is like shoulder to shoulder full of people. And no one's happy because it's like, you're there for the haunt. So, you know, you're going to give that a shot and that's going to be great. Mm. But like for people in your situation, Hey, I got here before the park opened and now I've got a, you know, a dance date for three o'clock this afternoon and I can't leave and come back. So I guess we're just going to stand in line for fucking Simpsons and be real pissed off about it. Like that tickles me. And you know why you couldn't leave and come back is because Universal tweeted out that they were at capacity. Right. So, uh, so, so if you left, there was no room in the inn yeah, for you to come back to. Exactly. So um, finally we get around. We do the haunted houses. So uh, first up is Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Now, this is a, a house set in Victorian England. And the basic synopsis is uh, it is when a young boy refuses to give his tooth to the Tooth Fairy... Uh, he deals with the vengeance of the fairy folk. And uh, it is all storybook themed. There is like an old kindly British narrator throughout the entire haunted house who's telling Ooh. you the story while it's happening. Um, and it actually, uh, this is, both houses had narration actually. And it made the storyline so digestible. Okay. Um, it is it is something where, you know, you weren't going to be, even the people who wanted to ignore and just get the spooks are going to have that story shoved right down their throat. Like, you can't ignore it, which I was fine with. Um, it had a really beautiful facade that was like an actual pop-up book, so it's all white, flat, like Paper Mario moving around, like moving pieces. Um, and then uh, once you get in, you realize very quickly uh, what has been made as a change about these post-COVID haunted houses, which is that there is plexiglass over all of the boo holes. So oh. when someone jumps out to spook you... They're up on glass, you know, just scratching away at it. Um, and uh, there's a couple other things. So the flashlight Nazis, as they're affectionately referred to, that usually keep you moving throughout the haunted house, um, actually now have the opposite uh, job. They will stop you if you're getting too close to another group in front of you. They've got a big PVC pipe in their hand and a big like riot shield over their face. And uh, they will hold they're stick out in front of you and stop you from going into the next scene. If you were uh, trying to rush through and you're getting a little too, too uh, intimate with a group in front of you. So that's good. Um, so in that sense, it is uh, simultaneously a much better experience than you could have possibly hoped for in a universal Orlando haunted house mm -hmm. and a much worse because you know, it's 9am and there's glass over all the boo holes. Right. Um, but, but that said, you get, Plenty of time to appreciate it. Uh, like I said, the stories are very clear. You get time to look at everything. You know, you're you're stopped. You're you're not rushed to the haunted house. You can walk as slow as you want. Um, and overall, I'd say the house itself, uh, Tooth Fairy, was good. Had some good gore. Costumes were met. They were all little tiny people. You know, mm -hmm. they they hired. They were all like nineteen year old girls that were all under five foot. Were playing all of the fairies and children in that house. Um, but, uh, but, but generally good, uh, bride, uh, the other house, excuse me, is called, um, uh, the bride of Frankenstein lives. And the plot of that one is that, uh, Frankenstein's castle has crumbled and killed Frankenstein's monster. Uh, the bride is devastated and has decided to try and, uh, bring him back to life or build herself a new monster. Um, through the uh, blood of uh, the vampire brides, so the brides of Dracula. So she has moved, set up shop, set up a new lab, uh, teamed up with another old mad scientist lady. She has a new look. She's got a lab coat and everything, goggles, looks awesome. And uh, her does whole she still goal... Have, does she still have, like, yeah. 
the big hair with the white stripe mm-hmm. streak. Yeah, she still has her classic hair. Um, she just has a different costume over that. Um, but uh, yeah, her whole goal is uh, to capture these vampire brides and uh, suck out their life essence. And uh, again, a good haunted house. It's got her narration throughout the whole thing. Actually, she's like doing like journals, like lab journals, essentially, uh, like diarying her whole diarrheaing her whole uh, <laughs> process. She had no, the mango jalapeno so, drink. She so. did. So that was her first uh, journal yeah. entry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I now I have to be like you know, uh, the big you know uh, nerd guy. So wait, so so in the movie, in the Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. movie, um, first of all, Bride of Frankenstein is not really in it. She's in it for like I think collectively maybe like four and a half minutes. She's mm-hmm. just not in it. Um, all of the scenes, if you ever picture the Bride of Frankenstein like in your head. All the scenes you're thinking of, those are literally her only scenes. Um, like her hissing, her standing there, and they like drop the 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 veil that like makes her kind of like pseudo dress. The, those are like her only scenes. Um, that being said, the fact that we've made the leap canonically that she has Doctor Frankenstein's intelligence, it seems when she's doing the narration, is it like? a lady doing a classic Frankenstein voice? Or is it like, she's like, oh, entry number one, I'm going to kill these vampires and da-da-da-da. Or is it like, I'm gonna get the blood and put it on the monster. Um, that would be pretty good if it was the latter. Um, it's just That's like, what I'm saying. If, need blood! Yeah, if they, if they like, build it up like, ah, yes, she's going to recreate the monster, but that's still a thing? Is like, that she's still ba- barely through hooked on phonics. And so it's just like... <laughs> leg not agreeing with rest of body. Have to scrap and start over. You know what she needs is muzzy, I think. That's, to, well, yeah, you know, yeah. that helped mm-hmm. me. Yeah, uh, I, I know it did. Um, yeah, no, she's uh, she's very well-spoken. You know, it's like, you know, day two, I've... I've tried my best to harness this electrical power, but it's just not working the same way the doctor did. I'll need something stronger. Blood! That's the answer. So yeah, it's it's very it's it's very talkative. She she very much has like the doctor's intelligence. I don't know. I don't know what the I'm canon okay is. I think it's yeah. hilarious. I'm gonna go with Fred Flintstone logic that like a boulder bonked her on the noodle when the castle was falling down and now she just woke up with a new personality. Yeah. The best scene uh, in the house, in my opinion, is the facade scene where you walk in and there's like castle rubble and you see up above you, like seven feet up above you on a pedestal, is this giant beam that has fallen on Frankenstein's monster and like trapped him. And the bride is over it and she's like trying to lift it and it's budging. And it's just, like, coming back down, and she's, like, screaming in agony, trying to, like, get this beam off of him. And it's cool. It's a good effect. I, it looks good. Um, and a lot of the rest of the house is just, uh, you know, brides jumping out at you. And, uh, and uh, yeah, by the end, she well, she brings him back. There's some electricity, and then he jumps off the pedestal, and that's one of your last scares of the house. And, I mean, it was good. I liked it. I mean, both both of them were solid B houses. Um, I it's it's hard to compare them to anything because that's all right. we're getting. So yeah. part of me is like, oh, you're an ingrate. Love them. Make them your favorite houses of all time because they're all you're getting this year. And the rest of me is just kind of like, I, I shouldn't objectively try and put these two houses on a pedestal just because it's all we're getting. Like I should be fair to them. True. In the ranking of what they've done in the past, I don't know, but. That's the full thing. That's uh, that's it. That's Halloween Horror Days. Um, how was the boo holes with the plexiglass? Was it distracting or was it just like, yeah, it's fine. It's something else that they can bang on. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're okay. Like, uh, it, it doesn't take away from the scare necessarily, uh, but they are fairly visible. Um, they try and throw you off a little bit by putting plexiglass over other holes that actors are not going to come through. Okay. Um, so that throws you off a little bit, but otherwise, it, you know, it does, you, you can pretty much tell like where it's going to come from. So, uh, TN, the na- the whole gimmick of our show is to, is to fix things. We fix bad movies. Yeah. We fix 
what could be potentially boring interviews by asking asinine questions. You know, we're fixers. That's what we are by nature. Very so true. that being said, what would be um, like something that you would throw in to maybe take either of these houses from a B to maybe a B plus or an A house? Mm. Well, uh, you know, when it comes to the Bride of Frankenstein house, I think that, you know, really, uh, they, they, I think tentatively this house was called Bride versus Brides because they knew they were going to be involving the Brides of Dracula as well. And I think that what you need with that house is just more brides. Mm. I think you need, like, the Bride of Chucky in there. Um, I think you need, like, uh, Bridezilla, you mm. know, like from TLC. Runaway um, Bride. Runaway uh, Bride, exactly. Yeah. Um, Father yeah, the, the Bride, have Steve Martin in there. Yes, but but have it be the Roxanne Steve Martin, where he's got the big <laughs> nose. Um, uh, first, uh, as, a, as a sort of a side note here, we're both a thousand years old, though we just yes. made a Father of the Bride and a Roxanne reference <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, what can I say? My parents are boomers. Um, but I, I here, truth be told, I, I kudos to Universal for doing anything with the Bride. Um, because the Bride of Frankenstein, like I said, literally one movie, and that's it, and she's not even in that one hardly at all. So the fact that they were going to take it and run in any direction, I'm already on board with that. Um, having, you know, who the hell was in Runaway Bride? I feel like that was Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's pretend it's Julia Roberts. Yeah, having Julia a- Roberts added to the house, only going to be a benefit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on. Like, who doesn't like Julia Roberts? Like, right, honestly. there you go. Um... Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, and then for especially... Tooth Fairy, I assume you're having the Rock with wings on. Is that exactly, the... exactly? Okay. Yeah, you got the Rock in there. He's got wings. Um, you've got like Dave Batista in there, and he's got some kind of kid, and you know, it's that same sort of trope where it's like, look, he's he's a big muscle guy, but now he's got to act all sweet in this movie that we paid him a lot of money to be in. So and why did that... we do this? Yeah, why did we? <laughs> why did we do this? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they, um, was there any, was there any dentistry gore in yeah, the, there was, um, there's like a, there's a couple of masks where it's like, oh, their whole, looks like their whole jaw's been ripped off or like they're, they're just a big open mouth with a bunch of missing teeth in there. There's a, there's a big dummy that's like, uh, suspended, by these wires like hooked into his mouth so yeah there's okay. there's there's dentistry okay. gore for because sure. i was gonna say like that would i think yeah. be an easy fix for upping the scare factor would be I like think... oh, we will just rip off the dentist and just have it be like you oh no speaking of uh, dentistry gore that's that's how you get your full use out of steve martin then you really you have him in both houses oh, you have him kind of running in go. between both houses yeah I, th- I think the scariest thing you could do for a tooth fairy house is uh is like right when you get in line, uh, you have a cast member tell you like, "Hey, um, you're late for your appointment. You forgot that you had an appointment today, and it's in like 15 minutes." And I go, "Oh, holy shit!" And I try and make up for six months of not flossing or really brushing my teeth properly <laughs> by just violently flossing all of my teeth and just yeah, and you're bleeding. Just, your gums are bleeding like yeah. a fucking snuff film, <laughs> and you're like, "It's fine, it's fine. Sometimes it happens." It's fine. Yeah, I mean. And then I get in there, and they're like, any uh, hot or cold sensitivity? And I'm like, yes, every time, to everything. For both. Whatever's good. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah. All of it. Yeah. And then the whole house is just an actual dental appointment. and just lay you down. It would be pretty and spooky. They're like, do you want to wear our sunglasses? Or do you want to just stare at the, <laughs> at the shining bright light in your face? And then they're going to put the little sucky thing in your mouth, and then oh, leave yeah. it there. And it gets caught on the side. And then you start gagging on it, and then you throw mm-hmm. up on yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and speaking they, they from tell personal to, experience, they tell you to close your mouth, and then yes. all the you know blood gets sucked up into it. Yeah, yeah, it's nasty. It's great. Um, so you know, moral of the story here: you got fucked and uh, spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So my final question is on this in, uh, investigative report here: is uh, was there any additional merchandise that you picked up on this go round? Hmm. Not on this one. Uh, I like the new Beetlejuice coffee mug. I'm probably going to snag that. Um, I don't think there is anything else. They actually... Uh, I did not go to Horror Nights 15 uh, personally. So this... Uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to grab it myself. But they did do a poster 
of a map of 15, but it's mm-hmm. done in lo- as like an old style, like calligraphy map um, that, oh, that's, that's sort of set within the canon of the Terra Queens universe. Um, so that that's really neat. I think that's one of the cool pieces of merch. Uh, uh, it, they call it all throwback merch this year. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's it. <laughs> I see. I see a lot of people on Horror Nights Twitter, and I'm I'm sorry to any of you that are listening to this right now that are going to be get offended. But I see a lot of people out there, these big Horror Nights stands that want to get invited to the next press, you know, event next year. That are like, you know, we should be grateful for the two houses they opened. They didn't have to do that, okay? It's like, oh, you're right. Oh, Universal, they're so nice. They they did this thing that they know would put their parking capacity. And right. people would show up and spend money. That's so nice of them. This so thing, generous. Wow. And to put all these people's fucking lives at risk <laughs> unnecessarily for more money. That's so sweet it's of them. It's really, they're honestly, they're real sweethearts. I mean, it's like, <laughs> they, they did it just for us. They didn't have to. It's not no. like the houses were already built and finished and they just had right. to, and their people already cast for them. And you just had to call right. those people and be like, hey, just kidding, show up. Um, you know, it's not like any of that. Like they did it out of the kindness of their hearts. They're taking, they're taking a beating on this, man. You have no idea. You don't know how much it is, you know, how much money it costs to put a hot dog on a stick and put some potato around it and then charge you $12 for it. Like, cause it's the mummy wiener now it's the mummy dick. (laughs) It's the mummy's dick. That's right. (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, it's right there. Dip it in the sauce. What are you doing? So, um, speaking of Universal just being absolute sweethearts, um, you know, for the past couple of episodes, if you haven't listened to those, please do. We were talking about Halloween Horror Nights. We went through the history of Halloween Horror Nights, and we talked about all kinds of different houses in a four-hour-long marathon run. I dare you to listen to the whole thing in one Mm. sitting, you fucking cowards. Um, (laughs) And so, because of that, I there were a couple of houses in particular that sort of hit me in the brain, and I've been kind of thinking about them ever since. So for this part, I, I just want to kind of discuss a couple of houses that I don't think either of us got to go to, but I just kind of want to dive into it and maybe fix these, since, again, we are fixers here. So the first one I want to talk about is from uh, 2002, which was Halloween Horror Nights Islands of Fear, and that was the one when they ran through Islands of Adventure because Islands of Adventure was new and shiny. And that was the caretaker's year, yeah. Yes. And so there's one house in particular that I want to talk about. And theoretically, it was planned to be the first house that you would encounter when you went into the event. And that's Maximum Carnage in Marvel Superhero Island. Now, uh, TN, um, did you, would this ever interest you at all? Because like I said, I don't believe either of us went to this year. No, I definitely didn't go to this year, but, but I was always very interested in, in Maximum Carnage. Um, Christopher Ripley, who was on our show, had had said that yeah, this is a legendary house because of the stories that uh, revolve around it. And to this day, even though there was a documentary made about that year on the Travel Channel, um, so so much is just hearsay about that house. Some people are like, "Oh yeah, well, I hear that uh, if you go in, there's just like uh, Captain America's body's laying there, and his shield is just like decapitated him," and and there's no like there's no way of verifying any of this i mean no it absolutely you're absolutely right this yeah. this has a big uh there's a weird even those 2002 like the internet's a thing mm. like docu you can document things at this time it's not like it's in the fucking 1800s but there's just not a lot of like concrete evidence in this house it's like you said it's a lot of like oh well my uncle works for universal and he said that one time they had carnage come out and shit blood and everyone freaked out and they (laughs) had to close it for two weeks like it's all fucking you know old wives tales and things like that but what we do know is that yeah the idea was what if the villains won what if the soup the super villains won by night, good has been crushed. The villains have won, and humans are in danger. This land morphs into island under siege. So you walk into this, like, hideout that I guess is run by Carnage. He's the one who is, like, the leader of the pack here. And all the heroes are dead. Your major superheroes are dead. And... For some reason, the Punisher's there at the end with a flamethrower, because he's a bad guy now. And so, 
there's also one of those old wives tales is there's like, um, unclear testimony on whether or not carnage was even in the fucking house. Like there's people who were like, yeah, no, I went through the whole house twice and I never saw carnage once. And then there's some people that are like, no, no, he was on a podium at the end. You just, you missed him. Um, but in any case, I think ballsy enough having a house built around the supervillains win, the superheroes are dead, there is no God, you know, there's no refunds. Well, apparently, they run through the whole fucking season, Marvel finds out about this, and is pissed off. And according to what I could research, Marvel was so upset because their point was, what if a fucking kid goes through this house and sees Captain America decapitated and says... (laughs) I guess that's the end of Captain America. Time to cancel my subscription and not read Captain America books anymore. (laughs) To which my argument is, why the fuck is a stupid kid going in the house? And if he truly believes that and no one can convince him otherwise, then fuck him. He he shouldn't be reading comics anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I love that logic. Like, if a 10-year-old went to a comic book store after that and saw, like, new this week, like, on the new shelf, a new Captain America comic, like, that's fucking bullshit. I saw him dead with my I own eyes. I saw the corpse, okay? I looked at it. I saw the deadlights. I ain't buying that shit. I don't care what Red Skull says. Um, um, yeah. But Marvel, I, I... but 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 apparently Marvel was so pissed off, they never allowed them to do anything like extraneous with the Marvel brand again. It was just yeah. like, you got the rides, you get the merchandise, and fucking nothing else. We're doing the, the J.K. Rowling thing now. You can't have fun with us anymore. I also just uh, love... The idea that, uh, so, like, uh, if, if if they were doing Maximum Carnage, which, mm-hmm. first of all, has nothing to do with any sort of Carnage storyline at all, um, I've always thought that Carnage was one of the worst written characters of all time because <laughs> he's... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the, the hottest take I think we've ever had on this show. Uh, you're pissing on an entire generation of nerds from the 90s. So why is Carnage terrible? Why is he the worst written character? Because in concept, he's wonderful. And, and I, I, I fully believe, I have not actually taken the time to read them, but I know that there have been a lot of modern Carnage stories, Carnage USA and shit like that, um, that I think have written him better. But back in the 90s, they were like, yeah, he's a serial killer. He raped your mom. Um, <laughs> like he, <laughs> you was the reader. That was the first comic. That yeah. was the first issue. It was like... It's, yeah, you open it one. up and it's a drawing of your own mother. I don't know how they pulled it off. It's very expensive. But whoever the... Things. Yes, it really was. Um, but then whenever he's actually on the loose, he's just writing like carnage rules on all the buildings. And he's like, <laughs> carnage is super cool. Like, that's his own... That's his... If he, he could choose to graffiti anything on the on the side of the building. But he writes, carnage is a cool guy, don't you think? Um, and I always uh, just thought that was very silly and stupid. I feel Um, like it's like a monkey's paw situation. They were like, okay, what if this villain was like the Joker, right? Like he's like psychotic and he kills and like, you can't get a good grasp on him because he's that crazy, (laughs) but he's got the powers of venom. And they were like, yeah. And they wished on a monkey's paw. And then the finger went down. It was like, oops, the Joker is like the Cesar Romero Joker. So he's like, (laughs) I'll pound you to a pulp, Spider-Man. And then it's like, oh, say that now, Carnage. Ooh, like it's, it's just, it backfired on him. But, okay, so regardless of Carnage, all right, so... Well, they, and also, as a quick aside, my judgment call on Carnage is he's lame as fuck because any villain that's like, hey, he's this villain, but edgier is a terrible call. <laughs> like, I, he's like Venom, but edgier. I like, agree. don't... That's not a good call. I agree. Come up with but, your own shit. So, whatever they talked... Whatever they said to Marvel prior to building this haunted house, obviously Marvel didn't really know what was going on so you would think that they just would have gone buck wild. They would have had, like, Doc Ock in there, like, you know, I don't know, like, using his tentacle arms to, like, rip rip somebody apart. Like, they would have just done all the top Marvel villains or whatever. But then, like, I, everything that I can find on it is, like, it was Scream and Mephisto, which... Sc- Scream, uh, who's in the ride, I don't... Yeah. Who's never even really been a fan favorite? No, um, who nobody even hardly knows. Uh, and then other than the ride, and then Zorn with an X, 
I, mm-hmm. I never even heard of that. Um, and then at the end, they're just like, but also the Punisher. So it's just so like they could. So were they able to? That's what I'm confused about. Did Marvel know or did they not know? Because the, <laughs> because this collection of characters makes it seem like they had to go through Marvel. Marvel was like, take the bullshit because we don't want you saying that all of our best villains or whatever are, are going to scare the shit out of you and they're all evil and blah, 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 and that the heroes are dead. Like, just take this pile of crap and that's what you can work with and you can do whatever you want. You can make them jump out and scare people and hold a flamethrower or whatever. Um, yeah, but then like, in reality, it's like, oh, the Punisher's at the end with a flamethrower. And, 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 and apparently there was some forethought to that. Like, oh yeah, the power of the caretaker has made the Punisher evil. And he's wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. <laughs> That's how you know. That's how you know it's not the real Frank Castle. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Frank Castle would never wear that. Um, no, I like I like the idea of the the ultimate disrespect of, oh, you know what? We have a flamethrower effect. Oh, should we have Pyro, the fire-themed villain from X-Men, waiting for him at the end? Nah, he's lame as fuck. Make it the Punisher instead. <laughs> the Punisher, who's a hero and doesn't use a flamethrower? Yeah, make it him. Pyro sucks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, Pyro does suck, so they're, you're onto something there, for sure. I, I don't know. It's, it's such an odd house. And I think that, you know, back... I feel like back in the 90s, Marvel would have been all about this. You know, I mean, this is 2002, but... But I feel like they really would have been all about, like, oh, yeah, we're coming out with this, like, Marvel Zombies pretty soon. That's going to be pretty violent. Like, we're trying to get the, the the older teens into our comics again. So, like, yeah, yeah, Halloween Horror Nights. All the kids love that right now. Like, let's do it. So, I just, God, I don't even understand. Well, and, and the other thing is, you know, like you said, you pick Carnage, who would make more sense as like an intimacy kind of villain. Like he's supposed to be a murderer who also has alien powers. Okay. So there should be scenes of him murdering people. Not like he's not the Joker in terms of like, ah, he's going to like give a big boisterous monologue and like all the other monsters are his minions. Like, no, no, he's just sort of his own crazy person. And that's the end of it. Very odd choice that feels very 90s to just be like, I don't know, man, Carnage. There was a SNES game that was called Maximum Carnage. Fucking whatever. But I do respect if Marvel was not aware and Universal pulled the old tricky-do that they were doing in the early years, which was the policy of better to ask forgiveness than permission and be like, yeah, uh, we built a scene where the Red Skull is pegging the shit out of Captain America uh, oops, didn't know you, you didn't want that. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's in canon now. I don't know how that works. Um, you have to navigate through this kind of barbed wire experience, um, with gamma radiation and toxic chemicals, target practice with laser beams. Um, and all the while these, these evil henchmen and supervillains chasing you, wanting to capture you and make you part of their evil clan. Maximum Carnage is an interesting attraction. I, I, I do enjoy that potential idea that Marvel was like, what the fuck is any of this? And they were like, oh, you don't like it? We thought you were going to like it. Oh, here's here's the Punisher. He's got a flamethrower. And they're like, what the fuck? That's not even his thing. Like, ah, it kind of is now. The caretaker made him mad. I feel like the reason, I feel like the reason they had the Punisher at the end, from what I can tell from photos of the guy playing the Punisher at the event, I feel like you just had a guy working for Universal who really listened to Marilyn Manson a lot and was like, you know, I basically have, like, a Punisher costume. Like, I could just, like, wear it, and I'll be at the end. And they're like, okay, that's yeah, we're fine. we're over budget anyway. Fuck it, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, how would you fix Maximum Carnage? Well, first of all, it would have Carnage rules written in graffiti well, I mean, outside clearly. the front of the house. And Carnage would skateboard up to you mm-hmm, and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm killer, dude. Um, 
and he would... You know Venom? I'm like him, but edgier. <laughs> and then he smokes in front of you, and you're like, yeah. oh my god. And But you look, and it's like a candy cigarette. You're like, right, oh, and you're like, oh, carnage. carnage, come on, you can't even come in. <laughs> come on, Carnage. <laughs> carnage, Carnage wakes up, and he's like, Mom, I can't go to school, I'm too sick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Carnage. He's so rad. Oh, God, Carnage, you're too rad. I, when when so... are you going to commit yourself, Carnage? God damn it, good job. Carnage, you're... I don't know if we should mess with Carnage. He's got a shirt that says, no fear. <laughs> well, it was the early 2000s, so maybe it was like, oh, he's wearing an Ed Hardy shirt. Get the fuck out <laughs> oh, of his way. Oh, my God. Good God. Oh. The other thing that I read that I enjoyed a great deal was, like, you even mentioned earlier that, like, the facade on the outside of, um, or going into the Bride of Frankenstein house is, like, half the battle. You're like, this is fucking amazing. Well, this was in the early 2000s in a warehouse built on Marvel Superhero Island, so there was apparently, like, no facade at all. It was just, like, the sign, it's just a big box just like get in. There's no refunds, by the way. Like, yeah. Oh, why? Why would you tell us that? Don't worry about it. There's no refunds, though. Like, yeah, this real. is. It was the first haunted house that was put there. It was like practically built for this haunted house. Like, yeah, and I, it's it, still it, called like the Carnage yeah, Warehouse. Which, yeah, by yeah. the way, is there anything else that's in there now? Like, oh no, I don't no, think so. Storage. I think you could still see it if you're on uh, Doctor Doom. Like, you can mm-hmm. still see the warehouse, but uh, but yeah, there's nothing in there. Um, yeah, you can see it because when you can see, you see the roof of it, and it says Carnage rules. It says Carnage rules on top, of it, and Carnage is up top, and he's got like a you know uh, he's got like a PBR, and he like shakes it up and opens it, and it sprays everywhere, and you're like, oh, Carnage, you're there's so cool, dude. There's a sticker on the window of it that says PETA, people for the eating of tasty animals. And you're like, oh, God damn, my Carnage. God, Carnage. You dunked on him. Carnage, you're so epic, bro. <laughs> and he does the floss dance. And you're like, Carnage. Oh, call it a Carnage, day. yeah. Call, call it a day. Jesus. <laughs> He's like, watch me get a victory royale, bro. <laughs> It's like Carnage. That's already dated. How do you know about that? <laughs> He's wearing a, a bandana like Ninja. And you're like, oh, Carnage. Carnage. (laughs) He's like, follow me on Twitch. You're like, oh, Carnage. Carnage. damn you. (laughs) He's like, he's like, he's like, bro, uh, uh, I made fun of Dr. Disrespect and I got banned. Uh, He's like, (laughs) oh, "Oh, Carnage. You're Carnage. You're epic, man. Damn it. Oh, you're so cool. So cool. So clearly giving him a Twitch stream is how you fix that house. Yeah. Oh, Um, absolutely. So the final house I want to talk about is one that you are not going to be surprised by at all. Okay. If you've ever listened to this show. Or oh, God, me I know individual. what you're going to talk about. Yeah, baby. So <laughs> the year is 2000. It's Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So the California one. Yeah. And so just um, I want to give a little bit of context that's not really found when you're doing research on this. So the year is, two th- is the year 2000. It's the new millennium or the new millennium. Again, very old reference. So, the previous two years, 1998-1999, are a huge, huge high point for professional wrestling as, as a pop culture sensation. Huge ratings, they're on top of the world, their characters are becoming like household names like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Mankind and a bunch of other characters. They're becoming household names. You know, The Rock is hosting Saturday Night Live. You know, there's uh, fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger or some horse shit. They're all over the place. It's it's at a fever pitch. And so, Universal decides it's the perfect time to cash in on this hype. And they decide to do a crossover. And they're going to do a haunted maze based on a professional wrestler from the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. And so when you're thinking about that, if you were ever a wrestling fan, you're immediately going to go like, oh, easy answer. You go with The Undertaker. He's literally like a spooky character for most of his career. And that's what they did. They were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. It's called The Undertaker, No Mercy. Already not a great name, by the way. No Mercy was the name of an N64 game they made. No Mercy was the name of like a pay-per-view. It doesn't have anything to do with The Undertaker. Bad start. So, they build this house that's built, storyline-wise, off of the lore about The Undertaker as a character. 
So for most wrestlers, if you don't watch wrestling, most wrestlers don't really have a super deep backstory. Normally it's like, hey, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks and I'm here to prove myself and show that I'm the toughest son of a bitch that you've ever damn seen. That's usually your backstories for wrestlers. They're not my name, like... My name's Killer Mike and I'm not afraid to die. Exactly. That is your basic basic backstory for a professional wrestler. I'm Carnage. I'm epic as shit. Those are your typical <laughs> wrestling back backstories. But by this time, The Undertaker was almost a decade into being The Undertaker. And so in that time he had gone through some changes as a, as a performer. He had like reinvented himself and his breast got with... a little bigger. Shut up. That's Stephanie McMahon. Um, <laughs> Undertaker, you know, started as literally an undertaker, like had a big black hat and like all of his matches. It, like if he was fighting TN, he would be like the promo leading up to it would be undertaker was building a TN sized coffin that would have like Cheeto dust on it and like, you know, a, a, a drawing of a dick. And he would be like, you're going in here. And you'd be like, oh no. Like that was literally his shtick. And then he had a manager named Paul Bearer who would just kind of like repeat things in a high shrill voice. So again, he's got a TN sized coffin, Cheeto stains, crude drawing of a penis on it. And he's like, you're going in here, TN. And then Paul Bearer would be like, you're going in here, TN. Dick and balls at all. Like that's how, that's, how that would work when he first got started he was literally like a zombie mortician that was literally his beginning like character but over 10 years you can't just be zombie mortician for 10 fucking years so then it's like oh well now he's just sort of like this like gothy badass guy and then okay now he's almost like this weird culty satanist guy and okay cool and then he has a cult at one point like holy shit and then it's like, he's so cool and so popular, similar, he's Venom, so then we need a Carnage to come in. So then he has, like, spin-off characters who are also connected to his lore. So he's got, like, a half-brother named Kane, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Oh, I didn't realize that Kane was supposed to be Undertaker's half-brother. Half-brother, because Paul Bearer is Kane's dad, but not Undertaker's dad. I don't remember. Anyway... So, huh. the point being, technically speaking, there is a lot of lore for this character. Technically speaking. However, that lore is not expressed in a normal narrative state. Meaning, there was never, like, a TED Talk or a PowerPoint about, like, by the way, here's how The Undertaker got here. Yes, he has lightning powers. Yes, he's lost every Buried Alive match that he's been in because he's the only guy who could reasonably come back from the dead. And so if we write ourselves in a corner, he can always do that and da-da-da. No, no, no. It was just like, you know, for a week in 1998, he's like, uh, Kane, when I burnt down our family home and you were in it, I didn't give a shit. You're like, oh, man. And that's another piece of the lore. So I bring all that up. Because that's what they built the aesthetic and the narrative of this haunted house. But the problem is, when you put it all out there, when you take the lore chronologically, and you put it as a real performance piece in a real 3D space, it becomes abundantly clear that it is the stupidest shit that anyone has ever conceived for a narrative and it doesn't make sense things go against other things they don't they don't mesh well and so already this house was doomed to begin with because not telling a new narrative but going like nope that's just part of his fucking thing you're already making a house that's going to make zero sense to i don't know 90 percent of the people going through it and the other 10% are like big wrestling virgins who are like, well, actually, uh, he wouldn't have known Paul Bearer by this point. So that's a little sketchy. Like, it, this house is for no one. Okay? Already bad news. Now, here's the part that I love. In order to promote this year of Halloween Horror Nights, they actually had The Undertaker go through the haunted house. And they filmed it. Okay. A couple of issues with that. You remember how at the beginning of this rambling, I said that the Undertaker would reinvent himself? 
to, to stay fresh and sell more merch. Um, in 99, he was like King Satan and he had a whole cult and he was super scary and it was perfect for a haunted house. In 2000, he got tired of that. And so his character at this time is that he was a cool biker dad. <laughs> so, A, you have to include a room about that in the haunted house. So, hey, randomly, here's pretend motorcycles. But also, B, you have Undertaker who doesn't look like Undertaker walking through this haunted house. Like, he's got jeans on, he's got, like, a black leather vest on, and sunglasses inside because he's the coolest motherfucker in the room. He's cooler than Carnage. He is. Don't tell Carnage that. He'll lose subscribers. <laughs> but, here's the big question that I ask. What were they hoping to have happen by filming The Undertaker who is a very large, very scary man, walk through this haunted house. Were they expecting him to scream and pee on himself on camera and thus undo 10 years of work? Like he was going to walk through and like some like college sophomore dressed as Kane was going to hop out as half his size and go ooga booga and Undertaker was going to go ah and pee on himself? <laughs> no. So what happens? Well, there's video footage of like, I don't know, a six foot seven tall, seven inch tall man walking very casually in a haunted house and things jump out at him and he just sort of shits on everything. Like he's just like, oh yeah, this is the mausoleum I grew up in. And then somebody in bad stage makeup dressed as Paul Bearer jumps out and goes, blah, blah, blah. and he goes, hmm. I don't remember him being here. And then just keeps robot walking through the fucking house and thus shits on everything. This is actually a replica of the house where I grew up as a child. How are you doing? So I don't remember this guy being here, but this guy I do remember. So this house was bad. I read, I did research on it. I read that somebody gave a testimonial that they went there. They were part of the RIP Fancy Pants tour with a guide in the whole nine yards. And when the guide brought them to the Undertaker house to experience it, the tour guide, who was an official employee of Universal Unlimited, apologized to the group before they went in the house. That's not a good sign. Come back to the underworld, brothers, where you belong. You need to come back. This brings back a lot of memories of a time in my period when my soul was at its darkest. You need to come back. And so the house was received so poorly that it fucking killed Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood for several years. That is impressive. To not just be like, hmm. I maybe grade that like a C, a C grade house. I wasn't that great. No, to go, that was so bad. I don't ever want to see that kind of fun in my state ever fucking again. That's bad. There are people who have died on roller coasters and they're like, hose it down. It'll be fine. Leave it open. But the fact that this was such a pile of shit that they were like, no more haunted houses. Go stand in the corner the undertaker. You suck ass. That's fucking impressive to me. And I, I wish desperately I could have gone through that house. I, I wish that Universal and Hollywood had embraced uh, The Undertaker killing Halloween Horror Nights as canonical lore. Oh, like, that would be fucking great. That it's like <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights was murdered by The Undertaker. You know, and you have like, <laughs> you have him like cut a promo in his garage where he's just like, you know, I've killed dozens of people but the biggest death of all is halloween horror nights and then and then like years later when they bring it back they just have the undertaker out in front of the globe like sit up in his coffin and be like i'm back they should have opened with an undertaker haunted house to when they reopened they absolutely the event should have they should have used that as like the teaser image for the year they were coming back it was like by the way 
eight houses, and they're all themed around The Undertaker. You're like, oh my god! <laughs> One house for every era of The Undertaker. There you go, perfect. Yeah. Does perfect. he have that one, many eras? I mean... A hundred percent he does. There was wow. one time he broke his nose legitimately and was like, okay, well now I'm just The Undertaker with the Phantom of the Opera mask. That was the fucking solution. <laughs> and he was just like, meh, that's me now. So yes, he definitely has enough. Um, I don't know how much I would want Biker Undertaker, though, as a as a, as a house, like, yeah, Just, whatever, drinking beers and it's cool. And then also, by the way, there was apparently, n- much like Carnage, there was apparently no Undertaker in the fucking house. It was like Kane, Mankind, Paul Bearer, all these like side characters to the Undertaker mythos, but no actual Undertaker himself. Huh. And again, you're dealing with a, a, a premise built around wrestlers. You're not going to hire wrestlers. So therefore, when it's like, well, Kane is seven feet tall, 300 pounds. He was burned almost alive as a child. He's a fucking nightmare. And it's portrayed by someone who's like, I'm 5'11". I'm a little husky in the middle, but I have this boo-boo mask on and I've got red and black pajamas. It looks like whatever. That's fine. It's not going to have the same fucking effect. And it didn't. Yeah. I think that, uh, for the uh, biker Undertaker haunted house, just theme that around Hot Rods, the there movie, uh, because that seems like that's what Undertaker would be really into in that era, like this yeah. motorcycle dad. Like, yeah, basically, this is epic. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, guess what, Trump Nation, baby. You're like, oh no, Undertaker, <laughs> oh, Undertaker. God damn it. I think that, you know, the great irony, and this is how you wrap it all up with a bow, is that uh, Biker Undertaker definitely would put a Punisher logo on his bike. Oh, absolutely. But it would be a Punisher logo that had, like, one blue stripe on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is cool, man. Also, it would be great if you did see Undertaker at the end, and he was, like, given some kind of crazy speech. Like, he was like, "Uh, I swear to God, you're gonna rest. And then Brock Lesnar just busts through the wall and just power bombs his old, old bones into the ground. Like, you're (laughs) fucking dead. This was 20 years of work, and we've thrown it away because Brock Lesnar eats fucking cars. Fuck you, old man. And then that's the end. No is, refunds. Is, is that canonically what happened? <laughs> that is 100% canonically what happened. Uh, Undertaker was literally undefeated at WrestleMania for like 20 years. And then he's way too old to be wrestling now. It's like, no, no, send him back to the car park. He's done now. And then they were just like, ah, we'll have him fight Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar just murder fucked him in the middle of the ring and beat him. And everyone was like, well, there goes everything we built for nothing. Awesome. Everyone go home. And that's wow. how you end the house. Wow, excellent. The end. Yeah. Oh God. Wow. What a journey that we have taken here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that there. You know, the, the thing about Hollywood is that uh, it has had a lot of ridiculous houses. It, it is. You know, we talked about how even Orlando. You know, in the nineties was sort of the wild west. Hollywood really didn't give a shit for the longest time, and, and still kind of don't. And and they have this creative director, John Murdy, who I think might still be the creative director to this day. Um, don't quote me on that though. And he would just like make haunted houses based on shit that he personally liked, and would somehow just convince the execs with no presumably no evidence or numbers at all that this thing was popular that it was cool and that it would make a great haunted house then he would just do it so that's why there was a black sabbath haunted house that's why the same year as the undertaker there was a rob zombie haunted house which is bananas by the way yeah because like it was based on like house of a thousand corpses kind of sorta right like that movie like wasn't even fully out yet kind of thing like yeah so, like, it didn't even have a fan base yet. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, Captain Spaulding. Like, it, it you would just wasn't. go in there and be like, what the fuck am I even looking at? It wasn't out. I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that the reason why House of Thousand Corpses got funding is because Rob Zombie said, hey, this haunted house was popular, and I basically used the same characters and concepts. So, he was ba- it, the, the, the haunted house was like a, a demo to, like, show That's that bananas. it would work. Um, it's, it's such great, like the story of House of Lies and Corpus is so nuts because it's like, it's that. And then the movie comes out and Universal fucking hates the movie and like drops it halfway through. He has to go find funding somewhere else. They fucking hate it. They say never again. And then it becomes a big cult classic. And then Universal's like, 
shows up, like, kicking its feet in the dirt, saying, like, um, Mr. Rob Zombie, it's 2018, is there any way we could do your haunted house at our event in Orlando, because people really like it, and he's like, oh, you fucking took the funding away from the film when I was making it, alright, okay, you can use it, you can make a haunted house of it, so... I can't stay mad at you, you giant fucking soulless corporation. Also, I think it's interesting that, like, the house, or the t-shirt for that year with The Undertaker and Rob Zombie, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, the the image is, like, generic vampire from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Undertaker, and Rob Zombie, and, like, those were the icons that year. I'm so pissed that they didn't bring him back when they were doing, like, the big celebration of, like, Oh, 25 years of horror. Here's the caretaker and here's the director and not Bloody Mary because we don't want to pay for her again and all this other shit. And here's the fucking Undertaker. Fuck you. Like, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The The Undertaker just shows up and, like, picks up the director and fucking just throws him 25 him feet, you know, <laughs> through an announcer's table. <laughs> what a way to end it. Perfect. That's Beautiful. That's perfect. That's... It's better than Fear Factor. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, um, uh, if you are listening to this episode, and if you have listened to any other episode, the biggest thing you can do to help us, even if it takes a minute of your time, is just leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Uh, you know, please, that that sort of feedback is so, so essential for a smaller show. Um, again, we're, we're extremely grateful for the Slashes Cast Podcast Network to be a part of that network with a bunch of other great shows. Um, but you, the listeners, are like the main thing that's going to get us out there. So if you laughed once, twice, three times, as many times as you laugh, that's the amount of friends you have to tell about this show. So that. that is the you- contract that you have signed by listening to this episode. If, if success is like a recently deceased reanimated monster, you, the listeners, are the vampire bride blood that we have to splash on it for some reason. And then question mark, question mark, question mark, it comes alive again. So if, we need if, your help. If this show is The Undertaker, then you are the Paul Bearer who has to go up 10 octaves and just yes. repeat whatever we said. Yes. And say, oh, this fucking show, you gotta check it out. There's so much diarrhea jokes. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's your role. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Follow us on social media. Uh, and uh, until next time, on behalf of Tian Gignol, I'm Zach Romero. And as always, continue circulating the tapes. <laughs>